Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's what I want you to write. Go. God's commissioning words to every single Christ follower. There's no meeting necessary. There's no special anointing necessary. There's no church kind of deal going. Sometimes we send missionaries out. Yes, sometimes we send pastors out to start a church. That's a whole different thing. This is the commissioning of disciples to make disciples. This is the standard way it goes. It isn't unique. It's for every single one of you and me. At some point in church history, the perception of the responsibility for making disciples shifted from ordinary people to the clergy. An idea developed that only those who are professionally trained are qualified to share the gospel with people. In Pastor Mark's teaching today, he'll be reminding you that Jesus didn't give the command to go to the professional clergy. There wasn't even a professional clergy yet. You'll be learning about the call of God to Moses and Moses' response. You'll hear about God's desire to use ordinary people, including you, to accomplish his plans on the earth. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Exodus chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Great I Am is Concerned About Us. That day was planned. The bush that Moses saw was like a thousand other bushes that he saw. But this bush was different because it was on fire and it never burned up. Now the bush was ordinary, but the fire, God's presence, was not. Now look at verse 2 again. The angel of the Lord. This is a pre-incarnate manifestation of who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, was the one in that burning bush. Now look at verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Hey you! Is that what it says? No. What does it say? Moses what? Moses. Why twice? That means he's got his attention. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Notice in that verse, we have a personal God. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. After 40 years living in the wilderness, God personally comes to Moses to give him what? A second chance. A second chance. 
Notice who made the first move. In our story, who, come on now, who made the first move? How do you know? Set the bush on fire. He was in the bush. That was the first move. But what did he require Moses to do? Which he always does with us. Make the what? Make the second move. Notice back in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he stopped to look, then God came to him. You see, when God gets our attention, he's looking for you and I to listen and then say, hmm, are you trying to get my attention? I believe that very often God is communicating to us. We see a burning bush and we just walk right on by it. And God is always trying to get our attention. And I find that in my life as well. That sometimes I'm thinking God doesn't care about what I'm happening. And God's saying, I showed you like 52 things in the last few days. But you have to stop to understand I'm talking to you. I want you to stop. I want you to look and say, hmm, what about that? God, are you trying to say? So sometimes all you need to do, all I need to do, is just say, God, are you trying to say something to me? Notice what Moses said. Here I am. Just do that. God, you have my attention. What do you want to say to me? God is speaking to all of us. So you and I ought to be thinking as we're going through the word of God, what are you saying to me now? Be open, be ready in your quiet time, but not just in your quiet time. Moses is not having a quiet time. Moses is working, but God spoke to him. Normally, Moses isn't praying. Moses isn't worshiping. He's simply doing life. Verse 5. God gave some instructions. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Why would God say that to Moses? God's going to say to him, I am that I am. I'm your creator. I'm holy. Here's what I want you to write. What God's saying to Moses is this. I'm holy and you're not. And yet, we're challenged in the New Testament to be what? To be holy, separated to God. Will we ever be holy like God? No. But we can be holy. So, Moses, he says, Moses, take your shoes off. I think there's other reasons. I think that's obviously the main reason. But what kind of shoes would Moses have had? Sandals. Why would you wear sandals in the desert. Rocks and what else? What's the first word of sandals? Sand. In the blazing sun, what is sand? Okay. Ever been to Cocoa Beach? Ever been to Melbourne Beach in the summer? And you take your sandals off and immediately you go, whoa, putting them sandals right back on. Why? Burning hot. So if he's taking his sandals off and it's rocky and hot sand... What it, what's, what's God doing to Moses? He's saying to Moses, going somewhere? You're not going anywhere. Take your shoes off. <laughs> now I have your attention. Moses isn't going anywhere. God has his attention. Does he have your attention? See, we don't have to take our shoes off. But God had Moses' attention. He's got time now to reflect. 
What is Moses going to reflect back to? Well, the first 80 years of his life. He's going to reflect, and he's acknowledging that God is holy. Then verse 6, God continues, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So he's now beginning to realize, whoa, this is something that very few people have ever experienced. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. Notice what you see there. I've seen it. I've heard it. I'm concerned about their suffering. Of my people. Here's the great I am. By the way, this great I am is the same great I am you're serving that I'm serving. He has compassion. He pities the situation they're in. They're his people. There's sympathy. There's mercy. And there's empathy. He would send his son who would learn how man is treated by sinful men. That's exactly what was happening in Egypt. Man was being treated by men who were sinful. Now, when we think that God is a personal God, that's hard for you and I to comprehend. Seven plus billion people in the world, he has compassion on them. That is, encourages me because that means that God cares for every single person we meet. Verse 8. He didn't just have compassion. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, and the Jebusites. Now, when you look at that verse, where would Moses have wished God had stopped? Take a look at the verse. What part of that verse did Moses like? Well, he likes it to coming to rescue them from the Egyptians. He likes the part that there's a land that they're going to go to that's good and spacious. He loves the part, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Where would you put the period? Right there, baby. Right there. Because the first part of this verse is what? It reminds us of everyday life. It's God's generosity. Moses is excited. A new land flowing with milk. What does that mean? Where he's going, Cana, Israel, would have an ideal place to raise sheep and cows and goats. What does that result in? Lots of milk. Good stuff. A land flowing with honey. What would that mean? That the land would have enough flowers and those kind of things that bees could make honey. There are many people that believe that honey also wasn't just the regular honey we're used to, because I've had this, but a sweet syrup made from dates. Date honey is incredibly sweet. So he loves that. That's God's generosity. Take me to the land. But he doesn't stop. Look at Satan's spiritual warfare. Cana, where they're going, was also the home of these enemies that would fight Israel for the land. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hippotites, and the Jebusites. Now think about this. Why is it a mixed bag? 
Why didn't God say, by the time you get there, the enemies that are there, I've moved them all out just like I moved the Egyptians away from the people. Why didn't he do that? Because in this world is where we learn to manage spiritual warfare. Because it's never absent from us. Remember this verse from Jesus? It's a reminder to you and I. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you're going to have lots of trials. You're going to have lots of sorrows. But he doesn't leave us with the negative. But take heart. Because I've overcome the world. Every day in life, we have God's generosity. He promises to be with us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. But we always have the enemy. He's always bringing things into our lives. And because of that, this would be no different. Paradise will not happen again until we get to heaven. I wish I could say to you, once you become a Christian, once you become a disciple, a real disciple, there will be no more difficulties and troubles and sadness and things we can't figure out. That's not true. But see, we don't have to be negative about it. We can have peace because he's with us. So he's telling Moses up front the whole deal. Now, look at verse 9. And now, God's timing, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. It's time, Moses. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So what God is going to say is this. And this is true for you and me. Divine intervention is man's only hope. In this world, ever since sin came, we are not the solution to the problem of sin and Satan. God is the solution. Divine intervention is needed. Now that verse that you read there, if you'd like to write in your Bible, write in the margin, you can write this. The New Testament verse that is exactly the same principle is Colossians 1.13. What is this one speaking about? It's not about Israel, but it's about a divine intervention that man couldn't solve his problem. What was man's problem? Sin. No way for us to solve it. Bondage, which Egypt is a picture of spiritual bondage. Here it is in Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us, just like God did the Israelites from the Egyptians, from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us into the kingdom of of his dear son. So we know from the book of Hebrews that Jesus was actually, the verse that tells us in Hebrews, a better deliverer than Moses because it was spiritual. It was forever. The Exodus deliverance was a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do for you and I. Notice, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. Verse 10, so now, circle this little word, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, Moses no doubt is surprised that God was giving him a second chance. But this command from God Let's think about this for a moment. This command from God was not multiple choice. How many like to have multiple choice from God? Sorry. He's God and we're not. So this is a command. This isn't like, well, what would you like to do, Moses? What's your timing, Moses? 
The command is a simple, direct command. It's not multiple choice. Go, I'm sending you. Just write that down. I don't have my notes, but you and I need to write that down. When we talked about one of the fruit of the Spirit is to share boldly our faith, what is that? That's this command. You're going to see in a moment, it's exactly the same command. Go, notice that go is an active go. I'm sending you. We don't go on our own. We go sent from God. Number two, write down, you will bring my people out of bondage. You will bring my people out of bondage. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't bring anybody out of bondage. No, you can put in parentheses, God with you will bring people out of bondage. We never do. Without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all those things that God asks us to do. So that's the simple command given it's direct, it's not complicated. It's a personal call. I think something else is very important. You don't see in the next verse, God says to Moses, okay, you have a little time now, your feet are a little burning, you, you're not going anywhere. What do you think of my plan, Moses? What do you think? You giving it up? You know, Facebook, you giving it up or do you give it down? God isn't interested in that. His plans are always what? Perfect. We know from Romans, his will is good and perfect. So I didn't say to Moses, well, here's the three things. I'm going to be with you. You're going to deliver the people out. And by the way, you have to go. I'm sending you. What do you think, Mo? Up or down? Doesn't ask him. He just tells him to go. Now, I like that. I'm a guy that plans a lot. I do a lot of plans. That's kind of my nature. So I plan this and that and where we're going and how we're going to do all that. But I've learned this very young. And I still learn it. Proverbs 16.9 says this. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I've had to change like one billion times. But that's good. Now you say, well, I'm not a planner. Well, then you'll accomplish about the same amount. You need to be a planner. God's into our plans, but we have to be flexible. Moses didn't have any plans. He was shocked. So once again, God's choice to change the world is interesting. Remember the first thing you wrote? God said, I'm sending you. Why didn't God say, I will go with this? Click. And the children of Israel will be on the outside of Egypt already plunged all the silver, everything's with them. Moses, all I'm asking you to do is take the bypass to Egypt, meet them on the outside, and now, now you take them into the promised land. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm sending you. Now, when you think about that, do we see that anywhere else? I'm going to ask you to keep your finger there. I'm going to ask you to turn to places you know, but I want you to see it. You need to see God and how he works. Let's turn to Matthew 28. You could say it by heart, but that's okay. I want you to see it. Matthew 28, verse 19. Let me just say this. Before we read it, here's what some people think. That only only pastors are called to go. Only elders are called to go. And then sometimes we can complicate it. Well, Pastor Mark, there's got to be this super, super calling from God. This is the super, super calling from God. 
There's no church needed. There's no anointing needed. There's no special service needed. If you're a Christian, this is God's commandment commissioning for you. You're commissioned, you're sent, and it's from God. You don't need any kind of fanfare. No, here it is. Look at it. Therefore, what's the next word? Go and make disciples. Who's he writing this to? Every disciple of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And by the way, same thing he's going to say to Moses. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Now, as we begin to do that, God will open up opportunities to go. Turn to Acts 8.29. Let me show you that. Because sometimes we say, well, I'm anxious. Don't need to be anxious. Look at this. Acts 8.29. Remember, Philip left a revival of masses of people. And God said, I want you to go to the desert. Philip didn't have any idea why he was going to the desert. He goes out there and he sees this chariot going by with an Ethiopian eunuch who was confused. He'd been to Jerusalem, didn't understand Judaism, was looking for the answers to life, didn't find it a religion. So he doesn't know. And notice what the Spirit says to him in verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, say the word with me. Go to that chariot and stay near it. There's the call again. Now go to Acts 9.15. Maybe one of the most powerful commissionings, even shocking to us, for sure, Shocking to Paul, who was formerly Saul, who didn't believe in Jesus at all. Remember when Paul goes blind here, what happens? He goes blind into Damascus. God comes to just an ordinary, just like you and me, just an ordinary disciple named Ananias. And notice what he says in verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry out my name before the Gentiles and their kings, and before the people of Israel. Here's what I want you to write. Go. God's commissioning words to every single Christ follower. There's no meeting necessary. There's no special anointing necessary. There's no church kind of deal going. Sometimes we send missionaries out. Yes, sometimes we send pastors out to start a church. That's a whole different thing. This is the commissioning of disciples to make disciples. This is the standard way it goes. It isn't unique. It's for every single one of you and me. And remember, that's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul later would say, I want to go to Rome so I can see converts like I've seen everywhere else. So God wants to use me and God wants to use you to deliver the good news. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark reminded you that God has a plan for your life and that his plan for you is better than any plan you can come up with. You learned that once you line up your will with God's will for you, your life can really begin. You were told that God's memory is perfect. No matter what situation you might be in, God hasn't forgotten you. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. 
subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will wind up his teaching, The Great I Am is Concerned About Us. You'll hear about the problem of sin and bondage to sin and the fact that mankind doesn't have a solution to that problem. You'll find out about God's solution to this problem and how it applies to your life. You'll hear about God's command to Moses and how it relates to your life as well. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Great I Am's. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a herd